This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Okay, so a couple months back, personal finance website WalletHub put out a list of the most sinful cities in the U.S. Portland was 30th overall, which I think is still pretty respectable. But we also ranked especially high in the lust category. I mean, the whole premise is kind of silly, but it got me thinking, why is Portland so into strip clubs? We have about one strip club for every 12,000 Portlanders. That's a lot. So today on the show, we have Leave Austis, or as some of you might already know her, Viva Las Vegas. Leave's been stripping in Portland for 26 years, and she's also a writer, a musician, and a public speaker on the importance of sex work. I figured she would be the perfect person to talk about how lustful Portland really is. It's Thursday, February 9th, 2023. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is CityCast Portland. So a couple of months ago, Portland was ranked 30th on a list of 182 most sinful cities in the U.S. But (laughs) it's a silly article, I think. But their metrics that they pulled were actually legit. (laughs) Like They were pulling data from the U.S. Census Bureau and the CDC. And it's a little hard for me to brush off. But we ranked 11th specifically in the lust category. Uh, (laughs) Leave, what are your thoughts on this? Um, 11th in lust. I mean, I think we should be higher. I, I know that like Cincinnati <laughs> was higher overall. I, I mean, the whole study was a bunch of bull honky. Um, I don't know. I mean, sinfulness. I'm a preacher's daughter, so I, I want to get all theological about that. Like you got to define sin. I don't think that the seven deadly sins really have any, I don't know, bearing on what, what we should really be thinking about as a society. Like, are we taking care of our people? No, we're not. So that's a sin. Mm-hmm. So Portland's like really high up in that. Like naked women on stage is not a sin. But what is sinful? Sin is missing the mark. My dad always says, and you're missing the mark when you don't take care of your society. Strippers take care of our society all the time. We're on the front lines of it. We're there trying to do good work and make people healthier. And well, yeah, I do think we should rank higher in, l- in lust. But is lust a sin? No. There's my long answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember when I moved here many, many years ago, uh, one of the fun facts I was given was like, did you know that Portland has more strict clubs per capita than Las Vegas? And like just that in itself was like, wow, Las Vegas? (laughs) Like, why do you think adult entertainment or strip clubs have always been so prominent in Portland? Well, um, Oregon's constitution from 1857 accords more protections for free speech for any, than anywhere else in the country. So that's a big deal. So if you oh, really? if you have a bar, like a neighborhood bar, and you want a few more patrons, put a poll up and you'll get more patrons. And you'll notice a lot of our strip clubs are little mom and pop neighborhood bars. So I think that's part of it. I also think that, I don't know, the economies since I moved here, and I think in the 80s and 70s, it's never been that good. And I think um, it's actually a really relatively 
nice place for a woman to work, a smart woman to work in uh, in this economy. And I think then you have a really outstanding group of ladies that you're or strippers that you're interacting with. So that that makes the whole scene a little more popping, maybe. And you know, every time that Portland clubs are tried to be to be forced out of business because they're too close to a church or too close to a school. We keep referencing that constitution that, that keeps coming up. This is protected speech. Nudity is protected speech. You cannot shut the club down. There's nothing wrong with it. This is legal. And then it starts to become an accepted part of the social fabric. And it becomes normal to work there. It becomes normal to go visit them. And normalizing is really healthy on all sides, I think, because these are beautiful women's bodies. And it's a wonderful, intimate reaction that we don't get to like talk one-on-one with a person and be vulnerable. That's something that I wanted to follow up on because I feel like Portland has done that. And I remember coming from different uh, parts of the United States or visiting them. It was like, ooh, a strip bar. And in Portland, it's just like, oh, whatever. Let's go get a steak. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Probably. is. laughs> like, and we're going to go there for actual dinner. And cool, there's a show, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. I feel like the the view tends to be a little different. It's almost like an integral part of our community. Um, you know, you've been stripping for 26 years. I mean, you're currently stripping now, and but you're also a writer, a musician, and a public speaker who talks a lot about stripping being a crucial part of Portland's art scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us more about this? Well, I, I just believe straight up stripping is art. It's um, aesthetically, it's art. Um, the social, the sociological stuff that's going on on stage um, gives it the underpinning that great art has. Art is a mirror to society, which stripping is. And I think in Portland, we're so lucky to have it on many corners in many neighborhoods. And I keep advocating for it to be thought of more like that because you can go to these places and have a real moving experience, not just um, a lust-filled experience, but a real like intellectual or you know heart-to-heart, spiritual, inspiring art experience. And I challenge anyone to prove me wrong, like come into the clubs and and actually sit there for ten minutes, and I think people will will get it. Many people who disagree with me just have never been to a club. I feel like who's there also makes it very important, and how things are perceived and how you know, the performer uh, expresses himself. And to me, that is social performance right there. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're part of this act as well. Right, yeah, like you're not just sitting true, there. Yeah. You're not just sitting there and just watching. Like you create the vibe. And we know that it's a really like vulnerable and uh, intimate moment for this person. And they're sharing that with us. And so like that's a responsibility for the audience as well. And I feel like when it's done well, it does feel slightly transformative. Like you yes. leave and you're like, that was yes. awesome. Yes. You know? Hopefully everyone leaves uplifted and inspired and a little more hopeful and nurtured. Your lizard brain is like, oh my gosh, I just saw boobs. Boobs fed me when I was an infant and now I feel nurtured and cared for. I think something <laughs> like that really does Get happen. real young yin over here. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I, I just see people calm down, even like, you know, crazy twitching methods. You know, you can even reach them if you... If they st- if they if still themselves boobs, for a minute, <laughs> like if you show a boob, you're gonna calm a method down. I don't know. <laughs> ambitious, I know, but, but but it's also counterintuitive to a lot of women who think that it's degrading or you know pe- women are being objectified. But I feel like what a lot of women end up uh, being surprised by is how empowering it feels at the end. You're mm-hmm. just like that was so 
powerful. As women, we all live with amazing, like huge amounts of societal shame. Our bodies have been mm-hmm. shamed and covered and degraded and not talked about. And there's been gag orders on them forever. And so to see somebody kind of bucking that in the flesh, those things start to come apart in your mind. Like it's not necessarily shameful to be a woman, to have a woman's body and all the mm-hmm. things that go with it. Do you have a, a specific example of a memorable, memorable interaction that you had while performing? One that sticks with me that happened last week, kind of going back to these methods, you know, Mary's Club has moved to the corner of Burnside and Fifth. And it is Sketchville down there. People are constantly mm. getting stabbed and shot. And um, so this guy brought a woman in. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind of twitchy. She was staring at the floor and she didn't have ID. So they're trying to kick her out. But she was just so like in her own head and you know just felt, you could see how shamed ashamed she felt mm. somebody gave her a sandwich she like wolfed it down just staring at the floor and i was on stage probably naked and i just just said hi how are you today mm-hmm. she stopped devouring her sandwich for half a second and said i'm good and then kept kind of twitching but on her way out she stopped at the door turned around came back two steps and said have a great day. Have a great day. Have a great day. Just I could tell that that nobody had seen that human in a while. And that at the strip club, you have the power to do that, to actually see people in their totality, you know, whether they're CEOs of corporations or dirtbags or celebrities, you see them, you can, it's kind of a playground leveler. <laughs> I just love it and love having access to strangers and hopefully be able to improve their day, their lives, their outlook, something. <laughs> yeah, I heard that you said that you want to be stripping until you're 70, which yeah, is totally. quite a goal. Why not? I mean, I, when I was 22 and I started, I was like, one year max. And then, you know, definitely you want to quit before you're 30. Then I got cancer and all bets were off. I, you know, it's just so grateful to come back to it. And my boss at Mary's Vicky, she says, you have to strip till you're 50 here. I'm like, okay, okay, fine. And then you know, I keep looking at other careers and jobs. And I'll, de- I'll stick a pinky toe in it. And I'm like, no way. This is the flexibility alone of dancing where you can do it a couple days a week. You can take time off whenever. I mean, that can feel precarious to some. But once you've been doing it for 26 years, you kind of, you're calling the shots. You're your own boss. And I love that. And I think it's so interesting how women's bodies ages, age and change. You know, women's bodies are shame heaped on them. Aging bodies, shame heaped on them. So if if somehow my path is to like present this on stage and say, this is, this is okay. <laughs> yeah. Having scars all over your breasts. That's, that's no big deal. Whatever. All right. Let's take a quick break here. But when we come back, we'll have some final thoughts from our guest, Leave Austis. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. When customers tip you, your signature response to them is, thank you for supporting the arts. Yes. And you consider yourself an artist. Hell yes. <laughs> I take all my stories and throw them at the stage, at the wall. So why do you think the arts are so important to a functioning city? Uh, well, 
they can rewire our brains. They can make us see things differently. I think art, like I said, holds up a mirror to society. So that's important because a lot of times we're so in our own little rut that we don't see the totality of it. Um, I also think art heals, art saves, art inspires, art allows us to share our common humanity, share our stories and see commonality in stories that are far different from our own. And um Civil Whammet Week, they had an article a couple weeks ago about how they had solicited opinions from whoever you solicited opinions from about how to make your city thrive again. And we want people to get downtown and we want Portland to keep having, you know, successful tourism business. And their number one suggestion was put money in the arts, fund your artists, fund your arts, get the arts back downtown because people will go out of their ways to go downtown to see a show or to, you know, go to the theater. And, you know, homelessness is a huge problem here and it you know, needs to have billions of dollars thrown at it. But I think we should throw the same amount of money at arts and our artists because they offer hope. Those are ways that homeless people even can be served. A lot of them are artists. We have kind of lost our way there. I think Portland, that's why we became who we are today, that why we started to have, you know, great tourism and great press nationally. We need funding. Artists are starving and losing their spaces. A lot of my artist friends have moved to Spokane or, you know, Virginia or back home. So got to support the arts. Take care of our artists. And now for your micro dose of news. Transportation advocates are pushing the city to lower the speed limit on West Burnside after a string of pedestrian crashes, two of which were fatal. They're hoping to drop the speed to 20 miles per hour between 2nd and 25th Avenue. Currently, the speed limit along that stretch is about 25 miles per hour. And the Central Library downtown is closing next month, possibly until the end of the year. Last year, renovations closed that branch for three months. This new round will reduce the number of books and magazines that are openly available to make room for computers. But when it reopens, you'll need a librarian's assistance to get to nearly half of the collection. Also, yesterday, I shared that the WNBA might be coming to Portland, and I asked if anyone out there had any team name ideas. Some of you reached out, and listener Brian Harcourt wrote, I think of sports as a war-slash-violence surrogate, so the name should be appropriately threatening. The Portland Sawmills, the Portland Hunters, the Portland Ospreys, the Portland Axes, but maybe a bit more tempered? The Portland Sawyers, the Portland Hazelnuts, and our lead producer here countered with the Portland Filberts, which is drastically better than the Portland Mud Puddles. Um, and then Brian wrapped things up with the Portland Casters, which I looked up because I had no idea what that was. And it's just a very highbrow way of naming our possible women's basketball team, the Portland Beavers. And though that's pretty hilarious, I'm not sure how the players would feel about it. <laughs> Well, that's all for today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, why not leave us a glowing review? Or if you're looking for even more local news, subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>